Well, happy Easter. I'm glad you guys are with us today as we celebrate Easter. If you didn't get a, if you hadn't had the opportunity to uh, do drive-in church yet, then you're probably watching at home, or maybe you're doing both. And uh, maybe this will be a, just a little different sermon uh, than we had at drive-in church, even though we're going to look at the same, same text. Uh, I want to share hope, because I think that's what Easter is all about, is hope. And we're going to do it from this text, my favorite Easter text. And I want to ask you as we begin, where's your hope? You know, certainly not in our government, in our health care system. It's not in uh, our jobs. It's not in our 401ks or our money. It's not in anything of that manner. It's not in our brains or our brawn or our business sense or our beauty. I mean, we can't even go to the beauty shop, ladies, can we? We can't get our hair cut. We think about all of that, or gentlemen as well. Think about the, the relationships that we have put our hope in, probably in the past or, or maybe not too distant past. We have uh, looked at ladies, maybe, like you found Mr. Right, and he turned out not to be even Mr. Half Right. You know, or you, you've put your hope and, and your, your faith in guys that you found a dream boat, and she turned out to be the Titanic. And so when we think about the, the places we put our, our hope, we know that our hope as Christians is built on nothing less than what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. I want to share a few words uh, about hope from Chuck Swindoll's great book called Hope Again. It's about the Apostle Peter's denial of Jesus uh, during that Holy Week and how Jesus restored him. And so these words begin that book, the old fisherman's letter, and he, he says this about hope. Hope is a wonderful gift from God, a source of strength and courage in the face of life's harshest trials. I think this is a timely word for us during this, whatever's going on in our world, this coronavirus pandemic. When we are trapped, he says, in a tunnel of misery, hope points to the light at the end, when we're overlooked and ex overworked and exhausted, hope gives us fresh energy. When we're discouraged, hope lifts our spirit. When we are tempted to quit, hope keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, hope dulls the edge of panic. When we struggle with a crippling disease or a lingering illness, Hope helps us persevere beyond the pain. When we fear the worst, hope brings reminders that God is still in control. When we must endure the consequences of bad decisions, hope fuels our recovery. And when we find ourselves unemployed, hope tells us we still have a future. When we're forced to sit back and wait, hope gives us the patience to trust. When we feel rejected and abandoned, hope reminds us we're not alone. We'll make it. When we say our final farewell to someone we love, hope in the life beyond gets us through our grief. Put simply, when life hurts and dreams fade, Nothing helps 
like hope. We find ourselves in this text. These two on the road to Emmaus are without hope. Their hopes have been crushed and dashed. You know, they pinned all their hopes on Jesus. They'd come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, hoping that this Passover would be different than all the rest. Hoping that Jesus would deliver them from Roman domination. Of course, they were looking for a conquering King Messiah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all looking for a, a Jesus who would be a destroyer and whip all our enemies? A, a Jesus who is a deliverer and, and solves all our problems? Aren't we looking for Jesus, the great physician, to heal our sickness and our wounds? And He can do those kind of things. But sometimes we look to Jesus for even more. Like He's our great benefactor and and we simply look to Him as one who doles out the blessings upon us. Does He do that? Of course He does that. But He's more than that. And He's more than they expected. But at this moment, in the beginning of this text we're going to look at, they had no hope. Because all of what they thought Jesus was going to be has been crucified. A king can't reign or rule if he's dead. And that's where they are. Look at it together with me. I'm going to read from the message uh, this morning. So listen. That same day, two of them were walking to the village of Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem, and they were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up, and walked along with them. But they were not able to recognize who He was. You ever seen that um, series, Undercover Boss? We get a little bit of that here. Jesus, incognito. They were kept from recognizing Him. We don't know exactly why. Maybe it was dusk and the sun was in their eyes. I don't know. Maybe Jesus had been so badly beaten that He was beyond recognition to them. That's one theory. But I think it's just God wants them not to see Him for a moment and, and they're by no means expecting to see a risen Savior. In fact, nobody, when they went to that empty tomb, expected nobody. Everyone Thought he was dead. They knew him. But he wasn't. Look on. They stood there. Or he asked, what's this you're discussing so intently? Verse 17, as you walk along, they just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, Are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what happened during these last few days? He said, What's happened? Oh, what has happened? Do you think he knows what's happened? Of course he knows what's happened. It all happened to him. He was the one that was cheered as he came into Jerusalem that 
Palm Sunday, remember? He was the one that the crowds were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. He was the one who was rejected and falsely accused and placed on trial. And he was the one that was beaten. And he was the one that was shamed. And he was the one who went through all of the torture and pain of the cross. He knew about those things. But he, as the wonderful counselor, wants them to tell him what they know about those things. And they do. They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, he was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death and crucified him, And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us early this morning. They were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women said. But they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, So thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into His glory. Then He started at the beginning with the book of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the Scriptures that referred to Him. And they came to the edge of the village where they were headed, and He acted as if He were going on, but they urged Him or they pressed Him, stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed and broke and gave it to them. And at that moment, at that moment their eyes were open. And open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire? Weren't our hearts burning within us as He conversed with us on the road, as He opened the Scriptures for us? They didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their friends gathered together, talking away. It's really happened. The Master has been raised up, and Peter saw Him. Then the two went over everything that happened on the road and how they recognized Him. When he broke the bread. Oh, just a few moments. Let's look at our lives from this text. The first thing I want us to see is is this. Hey, it's always too soon to quit hoping. Don't quit hoping. I define hope this way. Biblical hope is more than just wistful thinking. We know that. Biblical hope is understanding that God can be trusted. 
and is willing and able to keep his word. You remember Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again that he was going to Jerusalem and he was going to be betrayed and he was going to die and he was going to be mocked and spit on and all those things. And, and then on the third day, he was going to rise again. They didn't understand. They didn't believe. But we do. And we can have hope that Jesus can be trusted because of the resurrection. It validates everything else He did and everything else He said. And so when we continue to hope, we invite Jesus into the hopeless situations, the hopelessness in our lives. It's always too soon to quit hoping because we never know when Jesus is going to show up. Remember in the in the New Testament times when Jesus just showed up and people's lives were changed, blind Bartimaeus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what do you want? Of course, what, what does he want? He wants to see. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Think about this for just a moment. There's a man, an invalid. 38 years he'd been by, beside the pool of Bethesda. Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? <laughs> of course. And Jesus said, pick up your mat, walk. And he was well. And Jesus does it all through. There's a widow who loses her only son, her only means of support. Jesus raises that widow's son from the dead. Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. Lazarus. Sisters, Mary and Martha, raised from the dead. Jesus is always bringing things that are dead back to life. And He didn't just do it then, did He? He does it now. We think sometimes we're at a dead end. We're bored to death. Or whatever situation we may find ourselves in, we think our, our, our marriage might be crumbling or our family is hurting or whatever the situation Jesus specializes in bringing the dead back to life. He specializes in heart transformation. He specializes in turning crucifixions into resurrections. And He can raise whatever we need raised to life again. It's always too soon to quit hoping. Because when we continue to hope, we could see Jesus as he really is. That's what these guys saw. He points out from the Old Testament who he really was. And they were looking for this conquering king, Messiah. But Jesus came, we know, as a suffering servant. I wonder what passages he used in the Old Testament to point out who he was. I can imagine in my mind, in fact, the whole Old Testament really points to Jesus. We can clarify that. Jesus said that to himself as the Pharisees and Sadducees were searching the Scriptures, thinking they would find truth, they all, Jesus said all those Old Testament references pointed to Him and they didn't believe in Him. But every aspect of what He does here, what He says here, reminds them, Cleopas and his companion, we don't know, is that a woman? Could be his wife. Is it a friend? I think it's intentional that Luke leaves the name off. So you and I can identify with Cleopas and his companion. 
But as we think about what Jesus preached and what he shared with them, I, I think of Genesis 22 when Abraham takes Isaac up to Mount Moriah and God says, Abraham, sacrifice your son, your one and only son, whom you love. And Abraham tells Isaac, God will provide that sacrificial lamb. And Jesus must have pointed out, that's me. Or the Passover lamb that caused the angel of death to pass over in Exodus, that's me. Or in Numbers 21, when the, the bronze serpent is up on the pole and all the people had to do to keep from dying from those snake bites as they grumbled against God and God sent those servants and Moses created that bronze serpent on that pole. All they had to do was look and live. Jesus would say later, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. That's me. Look and live. But most certainly it's Isaiah 53, is it not? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our sins. The punishment that was on us was laid upon Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. You see, they thought he was going to come riding in on a, a great white horse and whip Rome out of town. Instead, he came to die on that cross so we could live to save us. And we keep hoping because of what he's done. And we keep living because we know we serve a risen Savior who's in the world today. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. You keep hoping. And then the last thing I want you to see here is it's always appropriate to invite hope to stay. You see what they do at the end? They say, Jesus acts like he's going to go on, and, and they say, no, come, stay with us. They've already moved from that hopeless spirit as Jesus opened the Scripture to them to having a, a hopeful attitude, and, and then pretty soon they're going to be full of hope. And as they begin to break bread together and dine together, I don't know what it is about Jesus breaking bread, but it always reveals who He is. Remember, He, he breaks the bread when He feeds the 5,000? Or five loaves and two fish? And we know He's connected to the Father. And we know He provides all we need. Especially the hope we need. We, we see Him again in the upper room where we celebrated uh, the Lord's Supper a few weeks ago. We see him at that last supper breaking bread and saying, this is my body which is broken for you. And we know what he is, the sacrificial Passover lamb, who he is, the Savior of the world. And now he breaks bread and their eyes are opened. 
They understand. They see Him. He's the Lord. Wouldn't you think they'd just hang out and celebrate for a while? But He vanishes. That kind of perplexes me. He just vanishes. Isn't it because He, he doesn't want Him to walk by sight? but walk by faith like we do. We believe by faith in what he did so long ago. But notice as, as he acts like he's going to go on, they invite him in. Isn't that what we have to do too? Invite hope to stay. Jesus, if he's really our hope, we invite him in. And when we do, we know he changes things. He changes our lives. He changes our homes. He changes our, our hurts. He changes our, our hearts. But if we don't invite Him in, He could pass us by. He could go to someone else who wants Him, who needs Him. If we think somehow, some way we don't need Him, we'll miss Him. I don't want to be there. Not at Easter. Not ever. I want to be like the hymn writer who writes, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Oh, this text is so hopeful to me because it's not about Peter and John those guys sometimes I have a hard time identifying with it until Peter sticks his foot in his mouth and I I can identify with him there but it's just about Cleo Cleopas and the companion it's for everybody it's every man's gospel for you and me, God's not looking for supermen and wonder women. God's just looking for people who believe He is alive and will accept His grace and His forgiveness and His love and be willing to do what they do. Go and tell. <laughs> what a great passage. They're talking about Jesus. Then they're talking to Jesus about Jesus. And then Jesus is talking to them about Jesus. And finally they go. And they talk to other folks about Jesus. That's what Easter's about. The hope He brings. Has He brought it to you? Will you let Him change you? Continually? Will you receive Him? Invite Him in. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and dine with Him and He with me. Invite Him in this Easter. Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much. For these folks that are in this place who've helped us worship, 
who've reminded us in song that you're alive. And because you live, we can face tomorrow. We don't have to worry about the problems of today, for they are many. But you are greater. Father, I pray that everybody who watches this broadcast would invite you in to stay. Would invite hope in, in you, to stay. And Lord, I know as as you're invited in and as you work, you'll change us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for whipping death so we might live. In the power of your name we pray.